0: Chris Locke, welcome. First news part of 2023. Excited to be here. It feels like a long time coming. You know, this is my favorite thing to talk about. Al Bradford, and it's like maybe it slipped through the cracks a little bit, but it's back. How how you, are we both?
1: Uh, you love this shit, Rob. Like I remember over Christmas, we were like, "Do we bring the news back? Do we not?" And you were like, I live for the news. I wake up and I want to know what's going on, and I need a reliable source. There's nothing out there at the moment compared to what we can bring. So. We thought we'd bring it back and we got the main man Chris Wilson on board today for the first instalment of the year and he's looking slicker than ever. He's spent a lot of time in airplanes lately. He's living that George Clooney life. He's uh, looking as sharp as ever and it's uh, good to have you on.
2: Yeah, a little bit worried, a little bit worried about this is the reliable source of news, but I guess <laughs> uh, in a vacuum anything can fill the space, right? So let's give it a crack. But hey boys, good to see you. I think really, Rob, what you mean is we've been threatening to do something like this together uh, since the early days of COVID. So it's uh, nice that we've finally found a way. A hundred percent. I'm excited.
0: It's been an interesting start to the year. It feels like there's been, been a few ups. There's definitely been a few downs and excited to get some takes as we go in. But before we get into that, uh, Locke and I have some news to announce. We've got our first uh, launch party for the Dream Big Social Club, 19th of April for people who are Melbourne-based, who want to jump on a plane and get down. There'll be a bit more information dropping in the next week or so is this coming out but excited to get the dream big social club to life and it's something that Locke and i have been passionately working behind the scenes to get up and going it's been cool to see it's gonna be very cool to see people in real life in the same room and uh forming those connections hey al bradford
1: yeah well that's what it's all about you know there's all these good talks and amazing panel chats and like that's all good. That all exists. What we're about is just about having fun. And our number one thing here is connection. So it's actually creating the environments of people who are doing cool stuff and just want to meet and connect with other cool people, like just creating that environment for those people. So now nah, it's an exciting uh, start to the year. I can't wait to dust off the dancing shoes. I might even wear the rollerblade runners. I don't know. Rollerblade runners.
0: It's funny because Chris, like you, are, I can't remember exactly what number, but I feel like it's episode seven of the Funny Business Podcast. So if people want to Dive back and dig back into where we where we first crossed paths. And it's funny, like so much has changed for us in that time, coming up to nearly three years of doing the pod. But it's been it's been great to see what you've been up to now at Venture Crowd as head of ventures there, and um, also leading at Subac Australia. It's it's doing some cool stuff over the last few years.
2: Yeah, look, it's got yeah it's three years. It's, it's amazing. It? Any time I think about COVID, it always feels longer until I think about it. Then it feels like it went really really quickly right but um look my tattoo says episode number seven so i better check otherwise i'm gonna it's actually 15 i just had a look number 15 so seven plus eight fifteen. okay that works right i can now get a plus and eight and all equal 15 (laughs) awesome the tattoo won't be wasted um but yeah look and it has been a big big journey and you know right from the beginning with you guys it's always been clear to me that um you've got this amazing untapped resource that you've got Happening with the amazing startups that you guys have on. I know that's not all you do, and you have lots of other amazing people come and talk about all sorts of interesting things for your listeners, but you know, definitely in there there's a huge percentage of really innovative entrepreneurial people, you know, trying to do amazing things. And I've always sat there with with my venture crowd hat on and I thought, wow, like they're the sort of companies that we also want to talk to. You know, venture crowd's a pretty simple beast. You know, we want to democratize access for founders and investors to each other. You know, and make those connections as simple as possible for great companies. So, sort of makes sense. You guys talk to amazing companies. We want to help them capitalize and and scale and grow. Um, and I know that's also in your hearts and minds all the time. So, seems like a, a natural a natural match. Although I also should have expected that the real reason for the pot is to announce there's a party coming. How did I miss that one?
0: <laughs> well, it has it, been a long time coming. You're the party planner, Locke. So I'm ex- I'm expecting big things.
2: Yeah, well,
1: we we're thinking dress up party, but then it's like you're expecting a lot of for people on a Wednesday to just like come up <laughs> with something, you know? So it's like, maybe we don't want to, you know, when I think back in reverse it, we're thinking about the experience and going, I don't want to get invited to a party. Yes, it'd be good if everyone dressed up, but I want to make my life a bit easier, you know? So I don't really want to have to think about like a movie themed dress up party, but there will be stuff coming out throughout the year that might be themed like that we will have a bit more leeway you know a bit more slack so people can get ready and like hire out their costumes but in one month's time i feel like we just got to keep it cruisy you know
2: dress sexy yeah oh well you've, you've you had me at sexy i might i was going to say i'll come as a an early 50s guy trying to be you know be late 20s but <laughs> maybe i'll just do the sexy thing on the segue <laughs> i reckon do you have a segue chris Do i have a segue yeah have you ever ridden one road one? i have i have ridden one i have ridden one um anywhere it is it might take me a long way to get there i'm a scooter guy myself you did we did catch up when you're on the scooter you're zipping around you're loving it i love a scooter i love a scooter
0: well the scooter isn't on the, on the headlines today so let's get into the headlines first one we have uh first headline of the year they're reading from different outlets they're calling it the tech wreck which is funny because i'd like to get into it a little bit Locke and i had uh we did a pod with seek maybe middle of start of last year, which was around the, they had their their great uh, great job boom campaign and we were involved in that. And it was funny at the time seeing um, some companies that have now gone on to make redundancies like the Trees and the Mr. Yum's and zero announcing redundancies that also come off the back of big rounds of hires, big rounds of investment raises. And uh, it's funny because it, it, market perception, I know things change and move, but for us and, and Locke and I will talk about this off air, it's just crazy to see how quickly something like that can happen and how the air felt like it got sucked out of the room of this crap felt like COVID was this, this crazy bubble of everywhere else was getting affected, but tech and startups were money was flowing into theirs trying to do stuff, but really keen to hear your take, Chris, and um, you lay the land of what you think's going on at the
2: moment. Uh, well, just like the immediate thing that you're talking about with layoffs, right? I mean, one thing that happens every time this happens, right? You know, the early 90s, the early 2000s, during the GFC, 2008 through to 10. Um, but cash flow bites you quick. And that that's what happens, right? When things are good, you know, and you've got, you know, X coming in every month and you've got some money in the bank and, you you know, everything's fine. Um, but depending on the sort of business you are, um, not all businesses have natural protection from that. Lots of money in the bank um, or lots of long-term contracts that sort of pay up every month. So, You're seeing a lot of businesses just be hit by what happens when your customer base stop behaving like you want them to, i.e., buying your services or buying your products. And that cash flow just hits really, really quickly. Um, And, you know, one thing we look at all the time with startups is, you know, the quality of the team, understanding of how this all works from a management perspective, et cetera, et cetera. There's lots of things we look at, but absolutely we focus in on cash flow and what's their runway. And there's some amazing companies, like don't get me wrong, really strong companies that should be and and will be capitalized and should scale and should grow. But if you look under the hood, some of them have got two and a half months cash flow or runway to go. So if everything remains the same, that's always two and a half months. So there's always two and a half months to go. As soon as things stop, for whatever reason, interest rate shock, what happened this week with Silicon Valley Bank, which just causes nervousness. You just need, a lot of companies don't have a huge margin to play with in terms of the percentage of companies that stop doing things or customers that stop doing things. And before you know it, you've eaten into your first month of your two and a half months. Now you've got six weeks to go. Next thing you know, you've got four weeks to go. Now panic sets in. Now you start doing some silly things. You start trying to get, so that's how this can unfold. And obviously one of the blunt instruments any company has when they look at their cost base is humans. So unfortunately you end up in a human conversation to try and save some money but even then it's it's not huge chunks, right? Because you're just saving enough money to get six months out, but you're still gonna have to go find something to fill that hole going forward.
0: Do you think it's gonna be harder for people like smaller companies to attract or startups to attract the right type of people? Do you think you'll we'll see a
2: move of people back to like safer jobs potentially? Well, I think so. I think the key phrase there then, Rob, is safer jobs. So some startups doing, you know, with 12 to 18 months of runway and long-term contracts and certain types of products like software as a service companies, which are based on annualized subscriptions, et cetera, they can be very safe places to work as a startup. Um, And some larger organizations, which have been around for a lot longer, and you might think are safe, you know, whatever that means, such as you mentioned, Xero has had some layoffs they have the flip side. They have layoffs because their business and certain parts of their business, certain product lines, are run in a very different way, and therefore have thinner margins or, or or less of a runway going forward. So it's not about startups versus not startups. There'll be some startups startups out there, well capitalized, well managed, with a long runway, who are being smart. They're looking at their cash flow, they're looking at their spend, they're changing some of how they go. They're making twelve months make you know fit uh, eighteen months and those sorts of things. They're great companies and they'll continue to grow and they'll continue to need people to work on product or tech or marketing or sales or or going offshore. And then other companies, you know, my suggestion would be anyone who's talking to an early stage company, um, now's the time to really understand what that company does and how it makes money. I know that sounds obvious, right? But a lot of people join companies and they wouldn't really understand the unit economics. Yeah. So if you can do some research and just understand, is this an, is this an awesome company with an amazing product who lives month by month or not. And if it's that, then, yeah, it might be a little bit risky to jump into them right now. Um, If there's something, you know, a company with a six to nine month, nine to 12 month runway on cash all the time, then they can afford you. So if they're hiring, jump on board and help them scale.
0: Do you think it's a pause moment? Do you think like people have done, like, I've heard the word consolidation a lot. Like there's so much money going around for a couple of years of people doing things. And now it's like, all right, cool. Let's see what you can do with a little bit less, make it a bit more efficient don't try and maybe grow as quick and just make sure that the business doesn't die. So whatever you need to do is, like, batten down the hatches,
2: storms coming. Is that is that well, a fair summary or not? Well, in some ways it should always be that way, right? Like it, when, when you're running any company, there will be good times and bad times. There will be cycles. Um, some companies get impacted by political cycles. You know, if a Labor government gets in, certain things change. If a Liberal government gets in, certain things change. Um, some companies are impacted by global events more than others because they're connected into the supply chain and they 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 have goods coming in offshore that they need to put into their production so they're impacted by you know global things such as you know wars in the ukraine etc others are very localized but they're impacted more by local interest rates because they've got a lot of debt that funds their business and clearly the interest rates going up will have an impact so it's not that companies haven't gone through cycles before you just need to understand what your company really really does um, know your unit economics and inputs and outputs better than anybody. And again, seems like truisms. Of course, you would if you own your company. But again, when times are good, you can sort of wash over a lot of this um, this detail, right? Um, you know, when when times are good, a a good tide, you know, raises all ships, right? So you don't really know whether you're a good one or a bad one. You just all go up together. So I think it's just a moment where good founders with good advisors and good boards or good teams around them just need to take a breath, really look at their company, understand all of the stuff I just alluded to around how the is structured, the unit economics, where they're exposed to offshore onshore risk, where they're exposed to interest rate risk or currency risk, and adjust accordingly. And a lot of them will be able to do things to continue on. Absolutely. I have no doubt. And others will look at that and do it left, you know, looking at this way, looking at it that way, turning it upside down, flipping it around, trying to find a good view, and it won't be. And those companies will just need to make some tough decisions.
1: Who who are you seeing doing it well at the moment then, Chris? Like who are some good examples of like people who've, who've, you know, set themselves up and like you were saying, yeah, you're digging and you're asking all these questions and you're like, yeah, like they've ticking all the boxes. I like this.
2: Um, Companies that are able to sort of slow down, if that makes sense, right? So they've been on an acceleration and they were, you know, we're going to be in China and then we're going to go to the West Coast U.S., so those companies who are you know mature enough to be able to slow slow down. So I won't I won't name any names, but there's a few companies we're looking at who had great ambition. And what one thing we loved about our conversations with them was they themselves said, but we're gonna to have to put that on pause and we're gonna to have to hold that off. Now for a founder whose dream is global domination or whatever it might be, it's a real maturity moment to say, we'll get there, but right now let's consolidate. Um Let's basically stay out of trouble. Let's, you know, run the contracts we've got now really, really well. So don't lose what you've got because you're looking for what you want, right? So if you've got good contracts, serve them well, maintain them, get them to commit to another two to three years. So you keep that running. You look at your spreadsheet, which had headcount going up by 40%, and you look at your spreadsheet, which had five nodes overseas before the end of the year. You're just going to have to park that for the moment. Now, some companies just can't. They want to just keep going. Um, we'll get through it. Magic will happen. We'll raise five mil. Someone will come and, you know, bail us out, all those sorts of things. Um, that's not the wise or mature way to run your business. It can happen and you'll read about them and, and good luck to them. But those companies that have seen what's happening and don't panic and just run their organization more, you know, softly, you know, they're the ones we like.
0: Hey, well, let's get into the biggest story if we're talking about <clears throat> organisations running hey, croaky, out of- Hey, croaky, hey, croaky Shannon Noel, huh? Sorry, mate, yeah, i just maybe a bit <laughs> sultry. I think a deeper voice is a bit sexy, talking about sexy, you know, <laughs> but hey, running out of cash, Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, Let's get into it. Do you, what can you, ta- can you give us a bit of a summary, Chris, of what do you think's happened here? And have some of these execs done a dodgy with the sellout of their shares Um, as they've sort of- Before the before it's crashed, I'm seeing the CEO and the other ones have sold out 25%, 27%, whatever
2: they're selling out. They're just cashing in before people lose their money. Look, two different things, right? So what happened to the company? And then, you know, clearly it's no no surprise to anyone listening to the pod that executives in a company know what's going on. Um, executives in a company know the financial situation of the company, you know. So uh, I'll let your listeners decide whether, therefore, people have acted upon that information or not. Right. That's, but you know, you know what's happening in your backyard and you act accordingly. Um, and good luck to you if you've done the wrong thing, you know. Um, but let's just talk about what's happened. Right. And it's actually really interesting. There's a great quote from um, Peter Pan. This is very random for you, but I have been thinking about it um, the SVB or Silicon Valley Bank um the quote about peter bann something about fairies and it's about basically if you don't believe in fairies or if someone says out loud they don't believe in a fairy you have to go back now and read the book uh, or watch the movie um a fairy somewhere dies drops dead so it's this really interesting thing and i actually think about banks the some way in the same ways as soon as people stop believing in you as a bank you're doomed there's no way back if they stop believing in you you're doomed and so if you look at SVB there's a lot more complications to this and this stuff I don't know right but from the outside looking in um it's a really great idea it's a bank set up really for startups to put all their deposits so you can imagine a great startup they've raised capital they've grown they've raised more capital they've grown they're now writing you know tens of millions of dollars of revenue per month and they've got to put their you know money somewhere um and up until now they just put that into a bank you know they went to NAB or to CBA or to you know, Bank of America or wherever it might be. And so Silicon Valley said, well, why don't we be the bank for startups? So you put your money with us. And so that's where all the deposits went. So that makes sense, right? So they had all this money flow in. Um, and remember, this is during COVID when it was 0% interest and all that sort of stuff. So lots of money came in because if I've got lots of money to deposit, there wasn't anywhere else to put it, right? Because at 0%, no one was paying anything. So I might as well give it to this bank it's a bank, it's regulated, they're going to look after my money for me and I'll just basically draw my money when I need it. So that's sort of how SVP was set up. They then took all that money and they need to invest it somewhere. And what they did was to get longer term, better returns, they invested it long. So things that were going to pay out over a long period of time. So rather than buying like short term treasury bills, which they could have, they went long term and got lots of long term treasury notes. And that's all just words and mechanics. But just imagine they went, on the long-term investment game. But tech startups, as we all know, can spend money pretty quickly. And so they kept on spending money quickly and kept on going to the bank, literally going to the ATM and taking their money out to run their business. So deposits in, invested long-term, money coming out more quickly until all of a sudden it's like, oh, we haven't got enough money to fulfill all the money that people need, but all our stuff's long-term. In the background, interest rates started going up. So the Fed Reserve over there started putting interest rates up, just like the RBA here. And so those long-term um bonds that they bought were worth less money because longer term it was better to hold something short term, which they didn't. They held long term. So at some stage, they got to a point where it's like, we need to sort of basically reprice our longer term bonds to what they will be worth now and basically you know rid off $20 billion. So that's that's just mechanics, right? Like. And it's called an asset liquidity issue. And an asset liability You know, you've got certain assets which can't give you the liquidity you need when you need it. So these assets are still liquid, but when you sell them, they won't give you enough money to cover what you needed. So that's just a bad investment strategy from a treasury function within the bank, right? Now you could argue the regulator could see some of this going on as well and probably should have said, I can see something that's going to happen here. There's a risk. But anyway, interest rates go up. They have to call the price. They lose the money. And then they say to the market, well, we let's just go raise some more capital. So, of course, the market says, why are you raising capital? They tell them why. And a bunch of VCs tell their startups, go get your money out. Panic. Don't believe in fairies anymore. So you don't believe in the fairy anymore and you panic. Panic ensues. Everyone goes get the, gets their money out. You get a run on a bank. And once you get a run on a bank, you don't come back from that. It doesn't stop because the CEO says, don't panic, which is what the CEO said. As soon as the CEO says "Don't panic," everyone just runs around with their hands in the air, and screaming even more. Right? So, is, is this a sickness? Those... Is it is
0: it a bit like a like? Can this spread to other banks? Like, is the the level of trust that people have in, say, smaller banks or startup banks or things that don't have have the ability to like fall in a heap like these smaller ones? Is is that what people start worrying about with the trust of like say financial institutions in general?
2: Yeah, look, there's always contagion risk, right? So, oh, if that could happen there, has it happened anywhere else? So um, having worked within banks, I can tell you that one of the first things all the other banks would have done is check, you know, hey, we haven't done that, have we? Um, And my assumption would be they haven't all gone on long-term investment strategies. They've got a mix so they can get short-term liquidity at a good price to match what they need. Um, And they would have gone out to their stakeholders and shareholders and depositors very early and said, we haven't got the same issue so don't don't worry I'm sure there's some money has come out um but the issue is where does the money go like you take money out it goes into another bank or it goes into some other sort of short-term facility but eventually you know billions of dollars has to land somewhere so you can get contagion risk which is the the thought that if you know if if that's you know if you're infected I might get infected by it so the banks need to manage that obviously the US government and the Fed reserves come out and said You know, we're going to cover the depositors, um, which is really clear use of a word, right? That's the depositors. So people who put their money in as the deposit will be covered. Shareholders in SVB aren't covered, right? So that's just, that will be left to unravel however it unravels. So, yeah, really disappointing. Um, uh, A whole bunch of things in there about mismanagement, governance, oversight by the regulator will all come out. Um, And to your other question, uh, Rob, around what execs in the bank did, you know, I won't comment on what they did in terms of selling stock. I can make a comment about how they obviously ran the bank, right? There's obviously some things not being watched necessarily as closely as they should be, but that's happened before. What do you reckon,
0: Locke? You've you've been been absorbing a bit of this content?
1: To be honest, Chris, you've... You've gave us a really good explanation of this shit. It's made me understand this even more because I've been deep on YouTube looking at videos to try and understand what's going on. And one word or one, one sentence that I'd heard on a, on a video was front running. And that was just something I wanted to bring up because that's a big word that I learned today. So I thought I'd bring it up on the podcast. But that's around like, as you were saying, the the execs or whatever, knowing, having that, having that knowledge beforehand, like you were saying, like, you know what's going on in your own backyard it's your business yeah
2: yep like you always like we should. you know no one's surprised by that um insider trading or other terminology around that is more about your you know in you know you're not um allowed to use that information you know which is not publicly available to further yourself or others so that's what that's all about so Um, clearly every day there's deals being done in financial markets where there's people who know what the deal is. There's people who sit on two sides of a deal and for multiple different banks know what the deal is, right? But you can't share that information. Um, You can't, you know, be seen to publicly um, or privately benefit from knowing that information by cheekily in the background buying stock and something, you know, is about to be sold or selling stock and something, you know, is about to go under. Um, Does it happen every single day? (laughs) Hard to Hard to... Hard to um, regulate and police, to be honest, but those are the laws. And when you do get caught, it can be pretty severe. Um, But, yeah, but as I said, I can't comment on what those execs did, but, of course, they would have known a whole bunch of information. Um, I'd be more interested right now in um, what was happening within the bank to allow this to unfold in the first place. All right. Moving on to the rest of the year, as we said, there's been
0: tech, we're talking tech rec, bank collapse, rising interest rates, what are the predictions? All the good stuff. All the, good, all the stuff. good stuff. What are your predictions for the rest of the year, Chris? Do you see this being uh, a, a good year? Do you see we're going to rebound? There's going to be a bit more positivity out there. What, what do you think is going to happen? What, where, where's, where's your head at?
2: Jeez, um, i got to be really careful here because we've been, um, you know, we think about this a lot, obviously, on a daily basis in terms of when founders come to us and they want to raise money. We're not just considering the founder and their story and their business and you know, how excited we can get to try and help them go get the money they need or get a portion of the money they need. Clearly, the other side of the equation is, is there capital out there to invest in things? I think a really short, cheeky answer is there's still plenty of capital in the system. right? Um, and I don't say that flippantly and as a throwaway line, but I do want um, you know, the listeners to understand that capital itself doesn't dry up right now. Interest rates go up. Interest rates go down. It doesn't mean that a family office who sits on, you know, five hundred million dollar fund doesn't have five hundred million dollars. You know, it doesn't mean people running huge asset funds or hedge funds or infrastructure funds doesn't still have the money. Um, so then it's more about the question it should be one more: How do you release that money? So as things get tighter and people get more worried or risk adverse about what might happen down the track, they that simply translates into how they view their investments. So, you know, someone who might have been very um, supportive of early stage, pre-seed, seed, early growth companies, you know, for all the reasons that we want to hear, which is I want them to have a chance. I want them to have the money they need to do what they need to do because some of these companies will be world changers. You know, some of those people might just be a little bit more, oh, you know, right now, um, not, it's not your company. It's the environment your company works within is now out of your control. And so, some of the things that you need to execute against, like supply chains and sales and all those sorts of things, might not be in your control anymore. And therefore, no matter how much money I give you, you might not be able to execute on your plan. And that's a very valid conversation to be had in terms of where I want to put my money. You know, it's like you know buying a a, a house off the plan. Um, that should be a pretty straightforward. I've seen that plan. I've seen the house I want. I'm gonna you know um, give you the money and the down payment. You go build it for me. But we all know heaps of people have done that and the builder goes out of business and all of a sudden it's a a nightmare, right? And that person maybe the next time doesn't go down that path because they've been once bitten, twice shy. So that's happening in the market. So we see our job still very much one of engaging with the founders, understanding mechanics, et cetera, et cetera. And what we're really looking for is those those organisations where an injection of capital lasts them now for a good 18 months so that they can go off with that injection of capital and run their business, grow their business, do some of the things they want to do, be that hiring certain types of people to fill out their, you know, their intellectual capital, be it doing some build on the tech stack to enable them to jump to the next stage. But the key thing is, you know, you've raised a mill, you've raised five, you've raised 10. We're not going to see you back at the capital table for another 18 to 24 months. So if I'm an investor, then i want to know the company i want to trust the company i want to get under the covers of all of that but i also need faith and comfort that it is going to be another 12 to 24 months before i see you again well okay i'm i'm more willing to take that risk um so it's about capital strategy what's the money going to be spent on it's about the um the, you know that cash flow path how long have you got the runway for the capital to be utilized so you're not back at the table again too quickly because that's just going to make people ask questions about why did you spend the money so quickly why did you spend it quicker than you thought so we just have to go through much more of that dd on the conversations we have be it just face to face with our founders or delving into their data rooms and their financial data and their forecasts and on the investor side you know we have investors more clearly now articulating what they're not interested in right now which they might have been interested in 6 to 12 months ago and that's just how it is and so we we pivot for them into later stage companies or certain sectors that they still might have interest and upside in and we try and get those companies in front of them
0: so people count their chickens is that what you're saying they're counting their chickens they're seeing what they got
2: yeah yeah and you know you'll hear this term a lot and not necessarily i like it but it's a term you know there's lots of dry powder you know there's lots of dry powder out there it's just waiting for something that will trigger it into a discussion into an investment um but at the moment people are just keeping it dry
1: in terms of now, like all the strategy and that you're working with these founders and you're finding these companies and stuff like that, are you seeing more certain areas? <clears throat> I'm getting your croaky voice, Rob.
2: Certain areas that need more support? Like I'd like to give you an answer of one or the other, but it again, depends on the company. Um, I think I've talked to you guys before about, you know, high level, there's three types of companies that we come across from a founder perspective. There's le- those led by a very financially articulate and literate founder. Um, So they're all over the numbers and the forecast and, you know, the five-year plan and when they're going to break even, you know, so really, really great finance um, but often need some help in the marketing or the branding or the storytelling, getting the narrative strategy out there, might need some help on technology and those sorts of things. Um, And then there's founders who are tech-led, you know, they're the tech founder who started building something over COVID and it took off and he's got a bunch of mates who thought that's amazing and it is taking off. And so we go, great, you've got the technology handled, But where's the forecast and where's the financials? And often there's a little bit of, you know, um, more skin on the bone needed, so to speak. And then there's the marketing founders who just tell a great story and you could just sit there and listen to them as they talk passionately about their vision for doing an amazing, you know, health product or wellbeing product. And you can't help but like them and want to invest in them, but eventually we need to get to a, oh, can you send us your financial forecast? Oh, we haven't done one of those yet. Um, And have you built any technology or have you got any IP that we could you know um take to the market well i haven't got around to that either and none of those are critiques it just means we're all different and people come from different strengths into the conversation um so to answer your question Locke, depending on which one of those we come across they might need different types of help you know we might offer them some marketing and branding support we might offer them some legal and structuring support we might offer them some financial modeling and understanding their value more truly than what they think their value is support so it all depends on the, uh, the founder and then obviously the sector and the company not much support we can give two scientists who have an amazing cancer um, company uh, to 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 take to an IPO, but we can help them in other ways, but we definitely can't help them with their core product as an example. If people want to go and read up a bit more about venture
0: crowd or or stalk your stuff, Chris, and find out where you where you are, how do they connect where where do they
2: find all the right information um well, I mean. Chris at venturecrowd.com.au. I'm always willing and able to just have direct contact with you know founders and investors out there interested to know more, interested to raise money, interested to invest in in amazing founders looking to do good. Um, venturecrowd.com.au. Come to the website. You know lots of different um, parts of the website to look at how to invest and you know how to be a founder and look at some of the companies that we've currently got on the platform. Um, and we're extremely active on LinkedIn. So if you follow us on on LinkedIn. Uh, you'll see lots of posts there. We run regular webinars, all those sorts of things, and Instagram as well. So we're sort of, you know, everywhere. We try and get in front of people's eyeballs as much as possible. But definitely Chris at VentureCrowd.com.au. Um uh, always delighted to hear from people directly.
0: Well, we're pumped, mate. We're we're pumped to be working to working towards doing some interesting stuff this together this year. Uh Dream Big Social Club and Venture Crowd. I feel like you explained it so well at the start, like the match of what you guys are trying to do and how we want to support people in our community who are doing interesting things. And I think that's the, probably the most meaningful stuff that's come out of us doing the funny business pod lock is just seeing people and the growth that they've come. And like, obviously at the start of this having three years since we've sort of known each other, Chris and seeing how that relationship's grown, but also seeing people who've been on the pod or people who listen to the pod and see, how much has changed for them and the interesting work that they're doing, the wins they're putting on the board, and we're excited to be involved in helping in any way, shape, or form.
1: Hey, well said, Rob. You just fucking nailed that. No, it's been good. Like, obviously, Chris, we've we've been um, chatting for ages, and, you know, episode 15, three years ago, that's a long time. Behind your back, we call you our business daddy. So, um, you know, there's <laughs> this, you've got a special place in our heart. And, honestly, the support that you've given us throughout the years has been awesome. You know, we, me and Rob were talking earlier. We don't really have... Um, like many mentors or anything like that because we feel like what we're doing is like completely like li- like Greenfield in our heads, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, there's all these different things that we can be doing. And so having your guidance and your wisdom um, in our corner has been like invaluable for us in setting up the Dream Big Social Club too. So like that's what I mean. We're so excited this year to bring it to life and have these events and face-to-face, um, you know, campaigns and stuff. So, no, nah, I'm excited and it's a good
2: first episode, I think. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks guys. I've got nothing nice to say about you guys. We could probably wrap it, wrap it pretty quickly a- apart from, um, you know, a bunch of your listeners and if their founders could do, um, do worse and learn from you guys on perseverance, uh, perseverance, resilience, um, and taking feedback, right? One thing we try and do with founders is coach, um, and mentor to your point lock, um, And a lot of founders are really good at taking that on and some aren't. And that's not a critique, right? I get it. Some people just like, yeah, I know what I'm doing better than anybody else. Um, But I think to your earlier question, Rob, it is tough times. There's no doubt. Um, I guess at Venture Crowd, we refuse to just believe that's it. So it just happens to be tough times. But guess what? I've been, you know, I started my career in the early 90s. There was one then. 2000s, there was one then. The GFC, there was one then. There's one now, right? So I've seen four of them from early start of my career to where I am right now. Um, and you know what? They do go away. We will be in better times, right? So right now it's about knuckling down, persevering, having resilience, asking for help, um, and, you know, a good dose of luck. Let's not lie, right? There's still a good dose of luck with a lot of good early-stage early startups that we work with, but we put support around them and hopefully luck becomes a little bit more of an outcome that you can manage.
1: Huh. That's unreal. Like well that. summarized. Eh? I'm going to click well, that's that a good out. Way
0: to, and, a good so. way to wrap it up. I was going to say, go back and dig in. Uh, who did we drop yesterday? Locke had two
1: pods already this week. Uh, yeah, Shelly Johnson. Uh, we dropped yesterday uh, about 100% careers. So we went live on LinkedIn there and just laid the smack down. She dropped some gems. Like if you're in a mid career crisis or anything like that, um, definitely uh, a pod worth listening to. And I'm I'm blanking on Mondays. Yeah. Vitant drop, mate. Vita oh, drop. who could you can't forget Charles Wood, hey? Eh? He's got a big fight coming up April 1st. I forget where it is, Melbourne Pavilion, I think. So hopefully he's picked a weak opponent so he can belt his uh belt his head in. But I think you can fix the fight. So that's all good, you know.
0: I like it, it was a pretty good story. And and besides that too, you probably the most handsome guest besides maybe yourself, Chris, that we've had on the podcast <laughs> for a
1: long time. Hey, Vitadrop's doing some good stuff. I mean, um, their story's unreal. He gives a real... Well, he come from um, cutting up, dissecting human bodies at uni um, with a science background as well into creating this company. So uh, he's got an interesting story, young guy doing cool things. So suss that out. Been a good week of pods.
0: Well, Chris, thanks so much for jumping on and, and pumped to bring you on more regularly. I feel like you've, uh, you're have you going to be on here giving us the Marcus update, letting us in on that wise head. So pump for anyone's like liked this episode, don't stress... He will be back.
2: (laughs) Awesome, guys. It feels like I now need to have some sort of background, which, you know, I'll change something in it every episode and people need to pick what's different and then we can be competing with uh, ABC Breakfast and all those sorts of guys, right? (laughs)
0: There's still time. There's still time. All right, see you next episode. See you, guys.